I want to talk about something that, that's simple. It, this is not going to be like wow factor 10, oh my goodness. But I think that this is something that could be super practical and super helpful for us as we enter the year. First of all, I want to speak about trampolining because I think it's great. Who likes being on a trampoline? Where are my tramp fans? Uh, I love a trampoline. <laughs> don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that term will catch on, but um, I'm a fan of a trampoline. I'm kind of in favor of getting a trampoline for our family, mostly so that I can use it. Talitha's like, we don't want broken bones. And I'm like, well, what if we just get it for me? Um, I really like getting on the trampoline. The the pinnacle of my um, acrobatic success was I learned how to do a backflip on a trampoline as a child. Where are the people who can do a backflip? Yeah, just a few of us. Where are the front flippers? It seems like that's a bit easier because you can see where you're going. But, you know, no disrespect. If you can front flip, that's cool. Um, But I remember when I I learned how to backflip, I was so excited. And my friend basically just taught me, you just jump and then you look backwards and you grab your knees. And I did a whole bunch of falling. And then one time I just sent it and I was like, wow, that was a lot easier than I expected. Um, and I felt awesome. And so I kept working on my backflips. And then I got, I got pretty confident with my backflipping. And I, I had a few friends that were quite acrobatic and they could do kind of cool flips and stuff. And one day we were at one of my friend's houses and they were backflipping off of the trampoline. They were like standing on the edge of the trampoline. This is back when trampolines had springs. Um, Now I don't think they do. They just have cages and stuff. This is like an open trampoline. Um, It was like the naked burritos of trampolines. There was just no no boundaries on it. And they were backflipping off the side onto the grass. And I was like, that would be a cool achievement to backflip off the trampoline onto the grass. And I thought, I've got the skill and I got myself ready and I got myself in the, the mind space of sending a backflip and I just thought, here we go. And, and I went and I launched and I leant backwards and then it was just like everything went slow motion for a moment and all of these thoughts went through my head. Like, what if I don't go far enough and I land in the springs or on the metal? And what if I don't rotate enough and I land on my head? Or what if I over-rotate and I land on whatever you land on when you over-rotate doing a backflip? So it was at that moment that I went from very committed to doing a backflip to not committed. Actually, to committed to pulling out of a backflip. Now, if there's one piece of advice I can give to any budding acrobats here tonight... Don't ever pull out of a backflip. It only gets worse. And I was about halfway through and I I threw out my arms and my legs and I tried to rotate around and I remember landing in, in the king of all scorpions on my neck, on my head first, into the grass. I've learned that day that my neck's more resilient than I thought. I, 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 you know, growing up watching movies and it's just like someone be like, and they break someone's neck. And that's kind of what I thought my neck was like. Um, fortunately, it was, it was more stable. And I learned a powerful, powerful lesson about commitment that day, which is basically that it's, it's better to commit to doing nothing than to not fully commit to doing something big, I suppose, or something important. If it's worth committing to, you've got to full commit to some things in life. If you half commit to things, you're probably not going to get to the, get the experience that you were hoping for. Life is full of things to commit to. Now, I know at the start of the year, speaking about commitment is probably not like 
the sexiest thing I could have talked about. It's probably not the most inspirational kind of thing. As I was preparing, I was like, I really don't want to talk about commitment at the start of the year. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, man, we're in a generation that is faced with a commitment crisis of what am I going to commit to in my life? Have you noticed that commitment is something that seems harder and harder to do? Is it just me? Or does it, is it seem, isn't it crazy? Like if, if any of us who lived before mobile phones can remember, you used to call someone on your landline. Just who remembers a landline? All right, we're on the same. It was a, a phone that went into the wall, okay? And, and it had a cable to it. And you would, you would dial their number from memory, who, who here can remember any phone numbers except for themselves? Who can remember more than five phone numbers? Yeah, that's starting to thin the pack out a little bit. A few of us who have got really good memories. You should call them and say, hey, I'll see you on Thursday. It's Tuesday. I'll see you on Thursday at 4 p.m. at this park. I'll see you there. And they'd hang up and they'd say, bye. And you know what would happen on Thursday at 4 p.m.? You would see them at the park. Is that not insane that that used to happen? You used to just talk to them once, not even see them, and they would be there. You would send it, and you if they weren't there, you'd be like, well, they've died. Like, that's the, the only reason. Nowadays, it's like it feels so difficult, even for myself, to commit to things. It's so hard. One of my greatest disdains is the Facebook event interested button. Anyone who's ever hosted an event would know it is the most frustrating thing in my whole life when you're trying to prepare something and it's like, well, three people said they're going, but 89 people said they're interested. So should I prepare for 92 or should I prepare for three? It's like, and and I'm not throwing shade because I use it as well. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll be at that. Maybe that's an interesting event. I am interested in it. It's true. I want everyone to know that I am interested, but I do not plan on being there at all because I'll think of something better to do in the meantime. I think it's difficult to commit for a few reasons. We've got so many options, right? There are so many things that you could commit to. And with so many options, there can almost be this fear of if I commit to this, it means I'm going to miss out on something else. Has anyone, I won't do a show of hands because I feel like this is such a dog act thing to do that I have done before. You will not commit to something because you think I might get a better offer. Like we're doing this on the weekend. It's like, that sounds pretty fun. But this other friend group, they might do something. So I might just, yeah, I'm interested. Um, I'll see how I go is, is the, the classic. I'll just have to, now I just, I'll just check with Talitha. Uh, it's code for, I probably don't want to go. Come to Talitha being like, please tell me we have something on Saturday. No, no, that's not true. It's kind of true. Uh, it's a little bit true. There's so many options. I think also, it just feels like life is so full, right? Does, does anyone else feel like that? It's like, I just feel like, I can't cram anything else in to my life. Meanwhile, my screen time is eight hours a day. <laughs> but I can't cram anything else in. I, <laughs> it's not at eight hours, Vanessa, don't stress. It has been. It has been at times. Uh, it, has anyone had an, uh, a screen time over eight hours? Surely. Surely. Surely a few. Uh, in a day. Okay. 
Um, just like side note, if you want if you want a happy, healthy, growing 2024, just have a look at your screen time. Allow yourself to feel that shame and that <laughs> that conviction, and determine to do something about it. My phone is living on my charger way more. It might not be good for the battery, but it's better for my mental health. <laughs> just leaving it on the charger. And there's also this fear of if I commit to something, I put all this time and effort. What if it what if it doesn't work out? What if it's not as good as I had hoped that it would be? You see, the thing with commitment is that commitment, a definition would be to predetermine ahead of time, irrespective of circumstance, that I will do something. That's what it means to commit to something. Committing to something, maybe these days, is I will be there unless something else comes up, unless I don't feel like it, unless I just, that day, just feel like I need a day to myself. It's like... That's not commitment. Commitment is I will do something, no matter else what happens, I have committed to doing that thing. That's why in a marriage, there's, there's commitment. You commit to one another, and I'm assuming when Josh and Sarah get married, I'm assuming their vows aren't going to be, I'm going to love you unless I'm a little bit tired, and then maybe I won't. But I'll probably love you the day after. <laughs> there's something about, there's in sickness and in health. It's like, no matter what happens, I have committed to this thing and I'm going to be a person of my word. The scripture says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. And I'm going to do this thing. That is what it means to commit to something. Now, we can't commit to everything, but I really think we should commit to some things. We should choose some important things that we're committed to, that we prioritize, um, because I think when, when people achieve great things, when people do big things with their life, it's very rarely like I was just born with some magic superpower and usually it's I just committed to getting up and training. I just committed to practicing. I just committed to putting myself out there and getting embarrassed. I just committed and that's where the results seem to come from. Commitment is so powerful. Uh, if you look at the screen, it says my message is called commitment. I'm going to change that to the power of commitment. Turn the person beside you and say the power of commitment. <laughs> Psalm 92, 12 to 15. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite. It says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Take note of this. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And it goes on, it says, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no wickedness in him. Planted, they will flourish. I think being planted speaks about commitment, right? Plants that are planted, they, they can't change their mind. That's where they are. That's where they're staying. They are planted. They are committed. And I think what God is saying hey, is when we commit, when we commit to the right things, when we decide I'm going to be a committed person, that's actually where flourishing starts to happen. It's in the context of commitment that we grow and we flourish. The power of commitment is breakthrough. It's new frontiers. It's finding yourself somewhere in life that you never thought you would be. And the only reason you got there was because you decided, I am going to say committed. It's achieving things you never thought you could achieve. Who wants to do that this year? Who wants to live that kind of life? But I'm so busy. I've got so much to do. 
I'm convinced that you have time for what you make time for, right? You have time for what you make time for. Talitha really helped me with this um, because I would say to her, I didn't get time. And she would say, don't say that. You didn't make time. And I was like, yeah, that hurts because it's true. It's not that I didn't get time or I didn't have time. More often than not, it's that I didn't make time. You have time for what you make time for. When riding my bike, I'd try to get three or four rides a week. And a lot of the friends that I ride with will say, oh, you're always on your bike. You're always on your bike. And I'll say, come ride with me tomorrow. And they'll be like, okay. And I'm like, 5 a.m. That is the time I get to myself. 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. And you know what? They're like, ah, oh, nah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna be that. You, you, you have time for what you make time for. Um, so th- I, I wanna encourage us just tonight, again, super simple, three things, three commitments that, if, that I believe if you prioritize this year, you're going to see yourself flourishing in your relationship with God. You're going to flourish in your relationship with people. And you're going to grow into the kind of person that you always hoped and wished that you could be. Are you ready? The first one simply is being a disciple. Commit to being a disciple. I've got in brackets there, a learner. I think there are some, some wrong images around what it means to be a disciple. Sometimes disciple seems like to be a disciple, it's like someone who's got it all together, who's doing all the right things, who's like, like a disciple is kind of like a pro-Jesus follower. Like it's a bit of a brag if someone's like, what do you do? And you're like, I'm a disciple. It's like, okay. Like, it's like, I'm really good at this Jesus following stuff. It's sometimes what that word disciple can mean. The Greek, methetes, what it means is a learner. It, it's, it's someone, it, it's closer to I'm learning, I'm teachable. That's what it means to be a disciple. Basically, someone who admits that maybe I don't have it all together and there is more for me to learn. There is more space for me to grow. I love how Paul says, not that I have achieved, attained any of this. I press forward into what God is calling me towards because I am a disciple. I'm teachable. I'm a learner. Commit to staying teachable. Commit to staying on the journey. If I could say it another way, commit to growing this year. Commit to growing in your faith. Commit to growing in your workplace. Come on, let's not have another mediocre year where we just live the same that we did last year. Come on, let's commit to growing, whatever that looks like. Commit to becoming a better worker. Commit to becoming, um, be- commit to becoming a, what's the right word? I'm not, I don't want to say a better follower of Jesus, but, but commit to growing in your relationship with Jesus. Commit to, being, to, to growing in your study space or whatever you're involved in. Decide to be a disciple. I'm not, I'm not there. There is more. I am committed to the journey. The, cha- the, the, the challenge to that is going to be pride. I think pride makes us, it stops us from being a disciple. It stops us from being a learner when we think, I've got this all together and I'm making this happen. And this is all on my back. When we start to, to have that happen, that's where, and it's really hard for God to, to, to grow us. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the, to the humble. And I think, again, I love that attitude that Paul has. It's like, man, I've achieved so much. Paul in that scripture where he's, I think, believe it's in Philippians, he's basically saying, 
I've done it all and I'm really awesome is basically what Paul's saying. All the stuff that you think is valuable, I've done it and I've done it better than you is basically what Paul's saying. And then he says, I count all that as nothing because I know God is calling me to more. That, that's what humility, humility is. Humility is there's people in my life who can speak to me and challenge me about stuff that I'm not getting right and I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to grow. Humility is when someone comes to me with constructive feedback, I don't just sit there thinking of all the reasons that they're wrong. I take it and decide I'm going to choose growth over being right. Even if I know that oh, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, I know where you're coming from, but there's this thing you need to understand. No, no, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to be, I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to decide that I want growth more than I want to be correct. I want growth more than I want pride. Let's make a commitment to stay teachable, to grow. And can I encourage you, seek that out. Like, seek out opportunities to grow yourself. I think Life Group is a great place for that. Honestly, if I could recommend anything, get yourself plugged into a Life Group where people are not only going to encourage you, they're going to believe in you, they're going to pray with you, but also they're going to call you out because they love you. When there's stuff in your blind, when there's stuff in your blind spots, they're going to call you out and say, hey, Maybe you need to work on that in a loving way, okay? Life groups aren't just like this, like beat each other up fest. Yeah, a roast. It's like we don't ever want life group to be the like life group roast where you sit down, everyone gets roasted. No, we love each other. We care about each other. And because of that, we want to see each other grow. So commit to being a disciple. Second thing, commit to allowing scripture to transform you. This, this is actually something that requires commitment on two levels. It requires commitment because to allow scripture to transform you, you're actually going to have to carve out space in your week to read scripture. I know that's amazing, but you will need to find space. It won't just happen by accident. You won't wake up and be like, gee, I've just been reading a whole bunch of scripture and it's changing my life. Like it, it requires intentionality. It's also a commitment because you've got to allow it to transform you. You've got to commit to what God says to me, I will enact. If God says, forgive that person, I will work through that and I will forgive that person. If God says, reach out to that person, I will reach out to that person. No matter how awkward I feel, it's not one of these, oh God, I'm committed to it, but now that feels a bit awkward, so maybe I won't do it. It's like, no, I'm going to commit to allowing Scripture, allowing God's Word coming alive, transform me. I have learned that reading the Bible is good. Does anyone agree with me? Reading the Bible is a good thing. It teaches me. It helps me grow. I think it's so important to, to, to get into Scripture and to actually be reading it yourself. And I used to really struggle with this because I, I used to struggle with feeling like I don't know enough. Now, I still sometimes feel a little bit like that. I feel like I could know some more. But I remember challenging myself, I'm going to read the Bible every single day so that I know more about God because then I will feel more confident. And I read the Bible every day. And my Bible app told me that I had a really good streak. And I was like, yeah. And it was years of every day I was reading the Bible and I was, I was reading through it. I was reading verses and I was reading chapters and I say all that not to brag, but to say, you know what I learned through all of that? What I learned was that just reading alone did not help me to grow. Just reading might have given me more knowledge. I might have learned some things, 
but it was actually when I did what God was speaking to me through the scripture, that's where I actually grew. So when I read my scripture, and and as I was reading about forgiveness, someone's face would come into my mind, and I would realize, I think God wants me to forgive that person. And when I would go and decide, I'm gonna, even though it's gonna be difficult, it might be hard, I'm gonna forgive that person. That's where God transformed my life through Scripture. That's where God's Word was actually transforming me. Not when I just read about forgiveness and went, eh, forgiveness is a good thing. Christians should forgive. All right, next verse. No, it was when I actually did those things. When, when I didn't just read about patience and think patience is nice, when I read and thought, who do I need to be patient with this week? Who is driving me up the walls a little bit that maybe I need to be more patient with? When I didn't just read about God's love and think, God's love is good. When I read about it and thought, who do I need to show God's love to and how am I going to do that? And then went and did it. That's where I experienced Scripture transforming me. When I didn't just read about trusting God and think, yeah, Christians should trust God. When I read it and I I felt like the Scripture came like the, the it's almost like it just came alive. It stood out to me and it was like, actually, there's a situation in my life that I need to trust God. I need to stop trying to control that. That's when Scripture transformed me. As I read Scripture and apply, I'm blessed, I find freedom, and my life and my relationships continue to grow. Scripture can only transform us when we let God speak to us through it and then actually do it. And I think that should set us free from the pressure of reading more Scripture. So as we talk about Scripture, if you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I should read my Bible more, I should read my Bible more. It's, it's not about reading more, it's about doing more. Yeah. Honestly, read one verse. Allow God to speak to you and go and do that thing. Like, don't worry about like, oh, but, but I'm only in verse 2. I should read the whole chapter because that'll make God more happy. It's like, no, you've missed the point. If God's speaking to you, put it into action. It's not about knowing more, it's about doing more. I think one Scripture applied is better than a thousand Scriptures known. James 1, to 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after, not, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what, he's, what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's not the quantity of reading that matters. It's the quantity of application. You do one thing each week this year that God is speaking to you about. I guarantee you're going to end this year in a better place than where you're starting it. I guarantee you're going to grow. I guarantee you're going to feel more intimate with God. I guarantee you're going to have better relationships. I guarantee people around you are going to say something has changed in you. Just one scripture per week. Now imagine, just with me, if you did that every day. If you just carved out 10, 15 minutes, you said, God, would you speak to me as you open your your Bible, as you start reading, God, would you speak to me about my life? Would you speak to me about my struggles? Imagine if every day God was speaking to you and you were going and endeavoring to your very best to do what he was speaking to you about. You would see a year like no other. You would experience growth like you have never experienced before. But what if I open and and I feel like nothing's there? I feel like God doesn't speak to me. Well, that's okay. Just tomorrow. God, what do you got to say? God, what do you got to say? We have time for what we make time 
for. I mean, read heaps if you want to read heaps, but more important than reading is applying what God is speaking to you about. You can know a lot about God, but it'll only transform you when you listen to it and do it. So let's make that commitment this year. Keep it simple. If you want a simple, we use a simple template. It's called SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. Make the application really big because that's what's really, really important is that you're applying what you're reading. Come talk to me afterwards. It's so easy. Usually when we teach it to people, they're like, is that it? And we're like, yes, it has changed my life more than anything else I've been doing. Any other spiritual practice I have, journaling has transformed me more than that. Okay, commit to it. You'll, you'll flourish. Okay, last one is commit to community. Commit to community. I I love what we have here on a Sunday night because I think, to me, it's so much more than just a service. It it really is a community. I I love getting here at, you know, 3.30 before the service. And this place is a buzz with people setting stuff up. Josie is running around. She's the master of putting up these things. She, it's just like she's got the blueprint in, the, in her mind somewhere. And I don't know, she just goes to a different place, Josie, when she's setting these up. She's just like, I am the, I don't know what we call the screen person. And she puts them together. It's, it's amazing. And there's laughter and joy. And, and then, you know, we worship together. And I'm like encouraged and inspired and and someone usually has the microphone at this time and they say something that is, is useful and inspiring to me, hopefully. Um, that's what's happening this evening. And then we have coffee and we hang out. And I just love walking around after kind of the message while everyone's having coffees and, and hearing people talking and laughing, hearing people encourage each other, seeing people praying for each other recently I feel like every week I'm talking to people who are saying, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. And I'm like, man, this community is so important to me. This community is transforming the way that I'm living my life because each week I'm around people who, who want to see me do the best that I can do, who want to see me flourish, who, who want to see me grow. But, but community requires commitment. And relationships in general require commitment. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how when you graduate high school, it's pretty quick that you lose most of your high school friends? Like, you're like, we're not going to be those people. Best friends forever. Yeah, the boys from Locker 73. Like, whatever it is. And then like four weeks later, it's like, what's that guy's last name again? Like, it's because it's not, you're not committed to seeing each other. And after a period of not committing to seeing each other, you just, you know, become acquaintances. And then, meet up five years later and it's like you seen anyone from school and they're like not and you're like oh dang I was really hoping you had because now we're out of things to talk about (laughs) commitment a community requires commitment Hebrews 10 24 to 25 says and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching saying prioritize the habit of being together encouraging one another spurring each other on i really believe community is the context in which we work out our faith community is in the context in which we it, we encourage each other we believe in each other we forgive each other i mean if you can't forgive someone at church good luck out there 
Like, if you can't forgive someone who believes in the same God as you and has the same faith and is just as committed to forgiveness as you are, oh man, it's going to be tough out there. But they offended me. I shouldn't get offended at church. And it's like, we're, we're trying not to, but the guarantee with church is keep hanging around and you'll probably get offended. I might offend you. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend people. But this is the context in which we, which we work out our faith. It's the context in where maybe I hurt, jo- hurt Geordie and he forgives me. And through that process, I learned that, man, I, I shouldn't be doing that and hurting people like that. This is the, it's the context in which we work out our faith and you've got to be committed to it. Whenever people have been coming for a long time and they're like, I don't, I don't know anyone. It's like, it's because this is a commitment. You've got to actually probably stick around a little bit and actually decide I'm going to meet some people and maybe week one or two I didn't meet anyone but I'm going to stick with this I'm going to commit to this and you know what will happen you'll have relationships that will flourish and it's probably going to happen faster here than in the world this side note I started riding bikes a couple of years ago with some guys when I first got back from Taiwan I can remember the day that one of them asked me something about me and you know how long it was after I started hanging out with these guys a year a full year I hung out with these guys and I committed to it. I, I enjoy being around them. I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to ride bikes. And I remember after one year, one of them said, hey, I saw you went camping on the weekend. How was it? And I took a mental note and I thought, that's how challenging it can be to be a part of a community. It's taken a year for anyone to care about me. I really, what I love about our community here is you're cared for the moment you walk in the door. And honestly, if someone misses you the first week, they'll get you the second week, okay? That's my guarantee. This has got to be a place where people come and they feel welcome. And that requires actually being here, not just for what it does for you, but for what it does for somebody else. That's why we've got to commit to community. It's not just because I go to church because I get something out of it. No, I go to church because of what I can give to other people. I can encourage them. I can inspire them. I love what Hebrews 610 says it says uh, God is not unjust he will not for, he will not forget your work and just notice this and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them now that is a powerful thought that as I help other people that's how I express my love to God God says, this is how I want you to express your love to me. I want you to care for and help my people. I want you to love my children. So as I'm loving, on, as I'm serving, as I'm being on a team, as whatever it looks like, what I'm doing is I'm expressing my love to God. As, I'm, as Josie furiously sets up all of these things, what she's doing is not being like, check out me, I'm the boss lady of setting up screens. She's like, I love you, God. I love you, God. I want to set these things up so the sun doesn't blind people and so it looks kind of nice. I love you, God, as as I'm helping people commit to community. Not Not to just attend, but to participate. Commit to participating in community. And please hear me, I'm not saying commit to being on a team and serving X amount of times per month. Honestly, if you can do that, it's amazing. When people do that, that's what makes this happen. We wouldn't have this if it wasn't for people who just showed up and served. But, but if that, for some reason, you cannot do that, come and encourage someone. Come and speak life into someone. Come and say hello to someone that you haven't seen before. Come and share your joy with someone. 
Don't just, oh, you know, come on Sunday because I get something out of it. Come on Sunday because of what you can add to it. Add your faith. Add your joy. Add your presence. In worship, express how you love God. It's part of your worship, how we love and care for each other. I really believe if you commit to, your, to, commit, if you commit to community, you will experience growth this year. And single people, you probably you probably find a partner as well. That's usually what happens. What are we going to commit to? Being a disciple, staying teachable, allowing Scripture to transform you, commit to community. And, and maybe if you're here and you're thinking, well, this is a lot of commitment to following Jesus. Can I just encourage us? Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. Jesus is committed to you. He will not write you off. He will not leave you alone. He is committed to you. He who promised is faithful. Our God is not a clause kind of God. He doesn't put clauses on His commitment where it's like, I will love you unless you do that thing or unless you do that thing. No, our God is a clauseless commitment kind of God who loves you regardless of where you find yourself, of what you've done, of how you've failed, of of how maybe you haven't lived up to what you hoped. Our God is committed to you. So if you feel like, why should I commit to Jesus? Well, because He is committed to you. More than anyone else in the world, He is committed to you. He, He has decided ahead of time, I will love this person unconditionally. It's a predetermined decision. I will love you regardless, even regardless of whether you decide to follow me or not. He is committed to you. So God's heart for you is to flourish. And I really believe if you commit to following Him, you're going to experience a year of flourishing like you haven't seen before. A couple of questions, maybe just to put some practical handles on this and and help us to apply it. Maybe even write this down if you want to. You could write the questions down and come back to it later. How are you going to commit to being a disciple this year? What do you need to do to to make sure that you're actually committed to staying teachable? Do you need to get in in a group of people who are actually going to keep you accountable to that commitment? That who can actually call you out and say, hey, we'd love you, but you said you were committed to growth and here's an area that you might need to grow in. How are you going to commit to being a disciple? What space will you carve out to allow Scripture to transform you? Can I be honest as where this, this question came from? I got a bit slack with my applying of Scripture at the end of last year. I was in a really good swing and then for some reason I wasn't kind of journaling as much as I'd like to and I, fe- I journaled and I really felt like God put on my heart afresh like I need to commit to this afresh I need to really hear God and I went to my life group and we were sharing our journaling and I was saying I just you know I've been a bit slack but I'm really convicted that that I want to commit afresh to letting God speak to me through journaling and Josh said when are you going to do that what time are you going to carve out and I was like, oh, well, you know, I probably just tread water. And Josh could probably see that I was just treading water. So, oh, yeah, I was just going to find some time and, and just make, make it happen. And, and usually I'd love to do it in the morning, but uh, maybe I should just do it at night because that works better. 
But I tell you what, that practical question really helped me. And I had to go away and be like, this is the space that I'm going to do this in. This is now my time. And for me, it's before I go to bed because it seems to be the time that I can be most consistent with it. But what space are you going to carve out to allow Scripture to transform you? We're not talking about half an hour. If you want to do that, awesome. If you've got five minutes, carve that out. This is the five minutes. I sit, I eat my breakfast, I read my Bible, and I say, God, would you speak to me? And I write down what I'm going to do about it. What time are you going to carve out? Again, can I just say, I know I'm harping on this point, but I talked past Chris about this message this week, and he said, if this was your only chance to encourage the group at 5 p.m. to commit to some things, what would you encourage them to commit to? This is how important I think this is. There's so many things I can encourage you to commit to. If you do none of them, commit to applying Scripture to your life and doing what God's saying to you. Final one, how are you going to prioritize being a part of community this year? What's that look like? To prioritize being a part of community, to commit to that. What does that look like? What does it look like? Maybe it just looks like church is no longer my maybe. Sunday night's no longer my maybe. When when push comes to shove church doesn't get the push and the shove <laughs> when, when, it, when, when something's got to go the other thing's got to go because I'm going to commit to being a part of community maybe it looks like putting your hand up and saying hey I can't help all the time but I would love to be a part of helping somewhere maybe it does like putting it, look like putting your hand up and saying I can help where do you need me and so many of you amazing people are please this is not like you should be helping there's so many amazing people here that are committed to doing this but maybe that is your next step would you stand with me this evening I'm excited for this year. I think God wants you to flourish. I think that commitment's got to become cool again. It's cool to be committed. Um, Can we just pray? I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, we just, in this moment, we just thank you for the year that's ahead of us. We thank you for the, um, all that you want to do through us this year and do in us. We thank you for the dreams and the visions and the desires that you've put in our heart. We thank you that when we seek you first, when we seek first your kingdom, then all those things are added to us, that you give us the desires of our heart when we prioritize you and when we seek you. And God, I just pray that as we enact these simple, simple habits, these simple commitments, God, we pray that you would transform our lives from the inside out so that we would be even clearer reflections to the world around us of who you are, of your love, of your hope, of your peace, of your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.